0: State Farm Studio, doing a, uh, a a very abbreviated Alabama recap because there's not much more to say. And then we're going to preview Arkansas with our good buddy Gray Hardison and Bunky Perkins on the other side. I guess you should say good buddies, plural, because we have two guests today. Um, but before we do that, like we always do, I want to remind you of the folks that make the show possible. As I said, Davis McCord, State Farm Studio. If you need good neighbor service and surprisingly great rates, look no further than Davis and State Farm, your one-stop shop in Alabama, Arkansas, Tennessee, and Mississippi. Give him a call, 901-755-6110 for your surprisingly great rates today. Podcast is also brought to you by Solá on South Lamar. Chef Erica and her team of food and beverage enthusiasts are bringing top-notch cuisine and libations to you six days a week. Whether it's happy hour, three to six, fresh squeezed margaritas, ramen, two for one Moscow mules, all of that and more. The best and brightest to you in-house or via curbside pickup. Check them out at SolaOxford.com or call them at 662-238-3500 and place your order today. Last but certainly not least, we want to remind you that we are sponsored by LB's Meat Market, the inaugural sponsor of the Seuss Show. Greg and the folks at LB's over on 2008 University Avenue, now offering the Podcast Rebellion perk, a 16-ounce prime strip and a pack of sausage for $20. That's right, $20 total for both of those. 16-ounce prime strip and a pack of sausage. All you got to do, go tell them you listen to the show, you read Red Cup Rebellion, you follow Red Cup on Twitter, Instagram, any of that that's all you got to do. Just go in there and just mention us, mention the show and Greg and the folks will hook it up 20 bucks for a 16 ounce prime strip and a pack of sausage. So um, all the loyal listeners and readers of this show and the websites are uh, receiving a perk. Thanks to Greg. So we thank them and we thank uh, everybody else at LB's meat market. So go check them out. 2008 university Avenue across the street, from Kroger and pick up the uh, probably the best dinner deal in Oxford. So, with that, we'll welcome in our first guest, Mr. Gray Hardison. Sir, good evening. How are you?
1: Uh, doing fantastic. Just, you know, being here in Austin, just keeping it weird, uh, like always. Are
0: you uh, partaking in ACL at all?
1: Uh, I am not. I uh, this, ah, okay. uh, The first weekend was this past weekend, and the second weekend is uh, is coming up. But no, I, uh, I went... Uh, two years ago, I guess. Cause yeah, they didn't have it last year. It was 2019. And, you know, I always tell if, if, if you've been to one music festival, you've been to all of them, uh, but <laughs> it's still, it's it, whatever. It's still fun, but, but yeah, no, I'm, uh, I'm gonna, gonna take a hard pass this year.
0: Okay. So you won't be front row at Jack Harlow, um, vibing with him. No, unfortunately, no. Someone else will have to take my spot, but okay, uh, all right.
1: I, will, I will be with them in spirit. <laughs> you,
0: you, 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 have the um, you have the the God's gift of music festivals where you are um, much taller than everyone, so you don't have to worry about seeing things because you know. <laughs> well, you know, I'm 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 pushing five ten. Like on my best day, it's five ten. So there can be times when it's very difficult to see things at festivals. And now I haven't been to a festival in years, but uh, it could be an issue, but not for you. You're uh, you, you can stand up there and, and uh, give everybody uh you know, the the lay of the land and, and keep them posted on stuff that's going on stage in between uh, in between sets.
1: Yeah, it is. It is a perk. Uh, I, I will not deny that. But then I, I also feel guilty when, you know, you go, you walk up to go stand somewhere and uh, to sort of stand not directly in front of somebody, but like somebody behind, you know, a little further behind you that can't see. I, f- I kind of feel bad about that, but also at the same time, not really. <laughs>
0: yeah, like, I mean, I hey, well, hey, what, what, what can you do? Do, do you yeah, want me to know. dig a hole and step in it? I mean,
1: yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah. Um. So speaking of digging a hole, uh, Ole Miss did that uh, last week. Uh, that that was an organic segue. I promise that was not was- planned. <sighs> Man, was that was
1: that was uh, exceptional, <laughs> like that. That, that, that was is, good. They should um, teach that to the kids in in and uh, broadcast journalism school.
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, shout out to to Curtis Wilkie and, and the gang over there. Um, yeah, so got ugly quick, um, but the good news is, almost Miss stayed healthy. No one got hurt. Mac Corral still played a solid game. And I wanted to throw this stat at you and I promise we won't spend too much time on it. Folks. We're going to move on to Arkansas because we need to put this one in the rear view. Anyway, Um, I did a deep dive into some analytics and the number that jumped out to me that was interesting. And you and I talked about it on Sunday and I think Monday too. um, The, in my opinion, the overwhelming issue last Saturday was the offensive line. I thought that, as I said, Corral played well. um, And I thought the defense played pretty solid. Um, Here's the statistic that jumped out to me. And uh, tell me if I'm right or wrong here. So defensively, um, the number that was pretty staggering to me was – the yards before contact statistic that you, I think you shared it with me that SEC StatCat tweeted out. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, here we go. Great, great podcast here. Should have been prepared. All right, here it is. So nearly half of the Crimson Tides carries went towards the mid right quadrant, but leftward runs produced the best gains. So their approach saw them post a poor. 1.5 yards before contact average. So for those of you that aren't stat nerds like us, this is basically saying that Alabama on average was running the football for one and a half yards before contact was made by the Ole Miss defense. So essentially it doesn't take a genius to figure this part out, but I'll miss 142 42 to 20 or Alabama won 42 to 21. So they obviously had success despite the contact being made before two yards. So, Brian Robinson and the rest of the crew with Alabama broke 17 tackles and had a 3.2 yards after contact average and a 57.8% success rate. So, my takeaway from this game, the offensive line just got whipped. I think the offensive lineman would tell you that. I think Jake Thornton would tell you that. I think everybody in the Ole Miss building would tell you that they agree. I think the plan, and you and I have talked about this, and I'm sure you'll expound on it, The plan that DJ Durkin and Chris Partridge laid out was executed. They just didn't make the tackle. Um, That YBC average is pretty loud. And I would venture to say that Saban and and their staff are going to try to fix some things there because the three, two, six, I think a lot of people were worried about that stopping the run. They didn't stop the run very well. I mean, Alabama ran for, I can't remember the number, but I mean, they, they didn't run for 400 or anything, but Ole Miss was in position to make the plays. They just didn't do it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah I, yeah. I agree. Like they, I mean, you can watch plenty of the highlights. There were guys there that, that, you know, met him just beyond the line of scrimmage and got a hand on him or, or, or Robbins just ran through them or drug a couple guys with him. Like it, to me, it was not a question of, of scheme or, or, or anything like that. It's basically, there were guys there and they didn't make plays now. At that point, it comes down to uh, I. Uh, Robin, Robinson was a five star, right? I'm assuming
0: everybody for Alabama is a five star. Just, uh, I I can do a quick check. I believe right. you're right. He he. He's probably like a, a five point nine four star. Yeah, that's the so, lowest. Yeah. Yep, yeah. five point nine. He was top one hundred player. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. So and and he's.
1: He's running against not top 100 players, and so yeah, that's the result. Usually, that's why it's important to get good players. I know this is this is groundbreaking podcasting uh, <laughs> uh, right here, but yeah. that was a good example why you should have good players because they're going to make plays, uh, uh, are going to outperform people who are not as good as they are. And 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 I, uh, you know, and, and going back to what you said about the the defense, I agree. I thought. Yeah, they gave up 42 points, but you got you know 14 of those with up to the corral got hit and fumbled, and then we went forward on the didn't get the fourth down on the I guess it was the 30. Uh So you give them short field, it's automatic 14 points. But like we asked them to not give up any explosive plays, which they did not, and basically make Alabama put together these seven, eight, nine uh, play drives, which they did. And then the whole point is, it's like well, you know we're dealing with college athletes here this you know they're gonna be more mistake prone than pro guys so the longer these drives go the better the chance for a mistake and uh and so that's what they tried to do and they they pretty much did it and they did it with the expectation it's like well if we hold them in the thirties and our offense does what we think it's gonna do, like we've got a shot. And mm-hmm. of course, you know it didn't didn't quite go that way for the offense. But defensively I, you know, to me there was I you know they're just they lack talent. It's their problem. And, uh, I thought, I thought they did a pretty good job, all things considered. And I, I realized it sounds insane to say that about a team that just gave up 42 points, but, uh, they did what they were supposed to do.
0: Yeah. I mean, and that's, I, if you're looking for any kind of gray area positive here, I think this is it because it's a loss. They got whipped, you know, Lane Kiffin made the popcorn reference and they took it on the chin. And, you know, I don't think Kiffin's going to shy away from that and he'll he'll be able to poke fun at himself for it. But um, but yeah, I mean, I think Alabama's is the number one team for a reason. Obviously, they have the best players. It's at this point, it's just a crash course for the SEC championship game against Georgia. And then they'll probably eventually have a rematch in the national championship game and uh, play for the national title because they're the two best teams. I don't think there's anyone that's even remotely close to them in terms of depth, defense, and just overall talent. So, um, yeah, I mean, again, nobody got hurt. Corral still played well. I mean, he, he is now second in most of the Vegas odds for the Heisman behind Bryce Young. I don't really necessarily agree with that because I just think Bryce Young is essentially a new age, uh, Greg McElroy, but that's neither here nor there. He can, you know, kind of game manage his way to, uh, getting an invite to New York, but on to, on to Arkansas, I should say, um, 11 a.m. ESPN this, uh, weekend, um, I had Bonky Perkins on, you will hear that interview. The second segment of this show, we talked a good bit about the game, um, Me and him are on the same page here. I just don't necessarily believe – I I just don't think K.J. Jefferson and that offense can keep pace with Matt Corral. And it's weird to say because it's a week after seeing the offense look uncharacteristically lethargic and, you know, off schedule. But, again, you got to move on and flush that because it was Alabama. So they're going to do that to everybody. Um, I mean, I've still seen, uh, pro football focus has Ole Miss still in their top 10. Um, I mean, they're still top three in explosive pass play rate yards per attempt. Um, they've been, uh, I believe top three in those since last year. Um, so they are still explosive. They're still making the big play, stretching the field. I I think, This game has been circled by Matt Corral and Lane Kiffin, and I anticipate them coming back with uh, coming back home, I should say, with uh, you know, out looking for blood on Saturday.
1: Yeah, I mean, I feel this. I I I just look back at last year, and I realize (laughs) it's you're not supposed to do that, but I'm going to do it anyway Uh, because most of the guys in Arkansas's defense are back. Uh, Last year, they go up to. Yeah, you know, people always talk about uh, how awful Ole Miss is in Tuscaloosa. Uh, sneaky underrated, how horrible they are in Fayetteville, like historically, just abysmal. And they go up to Fayetteville and they put up, I think it was five hundred or excuse me, four hundred and fifty yards ish of offense with seven turnovers. So like moving the ball was not a problem, and I don't think it's going to be a problem on uh, on Saturday either. I I, I just think uh, yeah, I mean Arkansas, I mean they're this is their second year removed from pretty much, I don't know, as close to as they could be as bottoming out. And I mean, that, that's, they sort of have the same problem with defense on this There's just a, a talent problem, uh, you know, and against good players, like that's where it's, it's going to show up. And, uh, and I just, uh, I mean, I know they had some, some impressive, you know, well, I guess, I guess the narrative is they were impressive wins. Uh, you know, they, they, physically destroyed texas uh and then kind of did the same to a&m although we're finding out a&m is is not great and texas ever since changing quarterbacks uh has yeah you know, they basically transformed their team which begs the question of why the, the they started the that card guy but now now we're derailing off in another direction but uh yeah no i, I agree i ultimately i just think ole miss He's gonna be able to move it more and score more than Arkansas is uh, against Ole Miss's defense. Because Jefferson, uh, if you at least just slow him down in the run and and put a lot more on his arm, I mean, he's he's a he's obviously gotten better, but uh I w- I would take my chances with him throwing.
0: Yeah, and uh I think we talked about it on Sunday and I talked about it with a couple other folks that seem to agree to a certain extent because it is kind of a weird. Comparison to make, but it's kind of similar to those Mississippi State teams that had Nick Fitzgerald where you basically have to force him to beat you through the air, and I think that that's kind of what you have to do with Jefferson. He is a capable runner. Now, the comparison does get a little fuzzy because I don't think Jefferson is as willing to run as Fitzgerald was. I mean, Fitzgerald loved to tuck it and put a shoulder down and try to run through somebody. Jefferson, now, even though he's about the same size as Fitzgerald, maybe slightly bigger, I don't think he likes to run as much. And I just – I don't think that that really bodes well for them in this game because if he was somebody that was looking to run and pick up first downs, you know, third, medium, or run some some QB draw or some zone read – they don't really like to do that. They they like to hand it off. Um, they got a couple of capable backs that they can get it to, and then Traylon Burks obviously is the go-to guy receiver. Um, I think Arkansas is going to move the football. Kendall Bryles is going to have a great plan. He's a really good offensive mind. But again, I just go back to Lane Kiffin and Jeff Levy and Matt Corral. I, I, I really do, and maybe maybe they would say no. It's just another game. Coach speak, coach beat, whatever. But I think that they are very excited and anxious for this game because of what happened a year ago. Like you said, they they outgained Arkansas um and still had a chance to win the football game and then Arkansas puts it away late with another pick 6. But um I fully anticipate this to be some kind of a I don't know, I'd, I could see something like a 41-30 type game where Olmes, you know, has a lead and maybe Arkansas scores late. Um I have seen a lot of people talking about how much money is on the under in this game, maybe, but I feel like both teams are going to score enough to hit the over, but yeah, I just, I don't really see how Arkansas can keep pace. I think they're going to have a decent defensive plan. They have a ton of guys back with the extra year, the super seniors from that defense a year ago, but I don't know. I feel like, and this isn't like wishful thinking or this is an Ole Miss podcast. where so we're trying to speak it into existence, but everything that Matt Corral has shown this year has shown that he has matured from last year to this year and is going to be pretty methodical with going through progressions. And he's not going to try to force it like he did a year ago.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. And that's, and this is jumping back to the Alabama game post game comments from Kiffin. Uh, is and you know and again like like I said with the defense, it sounds insane to say you thought they did pretty well giving up 42 points. I, I I thought Corral played about as well as he could have played against Alabama. He made I mean almost no bad decisions. Uh, and I, I mean I know in postgame he talked about a couple of reads that he said he missed, but uh, he was I thought he was fantastic, totally in control, never panicked. Uh, even you know I think you and I talked about that. I think it was in the third quarter, he, you know, was like almost every pass play was flush from the pocket, running around for his life. And he bought some time and rolled to his left and set up flat footed and throw that 50 plus yard bomb to Sanders that he he couldn't bring in. But like that to me, it was just a perfect example. He was should have panicked, should have bailed, tried to do you know, or most normal quarterbacks would have done that, but he bought time and kept his eyes downfield and, and made the right, you know, the read, the throw. And I think that, just shows what he is now. Like, I don't think he's, he's, uh, you know, as willing to, to, you know, cause he does have the, the, the generational arm that, that can make every throw. And I don't, but I don't think he's as willing to be like, Hmm, you know, let's find out if I can make this, uh, like he, you know, sometimes last year he just believed it's like, well, my arm is strong enough. I can throw it wherever it doesn't matter. Uh, and he's, he, he's not doing that this year. I think, I remember seeing some stat, I think from, uh, I think it was Matt Hinton, uh, I can't remember. I don't can't remember who he's with. He used to be with Yahoo. Anyway, uh, he was writing something. He was looking at Ole Miss's his stance and basically uh, we weren't taking nearly as many shots as we were last year. We were basically letting corral, pick people apart underneath over the middle, that kind of stuff. And, uh, and he, you know, he's, he's obviously responded really well. And I think that's what's going to happen on, on Saturday, because Arkansas is going to, they're going to do the the drop eight and he'll have to pick them apart underneath and Ole Miss will have to try to run them out of it as well. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm like, I think he's just way more in control this year and, and, uh, and willing to take what they give him.
0: Yeah. And I'm with you and then I also think that and we we talk about this a lot but as much fanfare as Corral gets and for good reason because of what he did last year and what he's done so far in 2021 the offense is predicated by the run they love to set up the pass with the run game the power the the spread power run scheme is still the bread and butter of this offense they just got behind schedule very quickly in that Alabama game and had to shift to throwing the football more and more but i think they're going to really try to get back to that run game they're going to i honestly think they're going to challenge the offensive line i'm sure they had some some very 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 intense meetings this week uh going through film <laughs> getting uh getting scolded i hope um, there was a i hope there was a lot of
1: hollering and laser pointing you know
0: yeah um you know, I'm I'm respectful of all religions, so I don't want to say come to Jesus moment because you know, whoever your God <laughs> is out there, um, I'll you know, respect to that. But yeah, I mean, I'm sure um Kiffin and Levy and Jake Thornton, the offensive line coach, are going to challenge those guys up front, like, hey, like that's that's not who we are. We're gonna be better, we're gonna run the football. And I think they're gonna they're gonna try to challenge Arkansas. And I think they're gonna try to get back to what they do best, and that's inside, outside runs, stretching the field horizontally and using their speed with Ely and Parrish and then really punching you in the throat with Snoop Connor in short yardage and goal line situations. And then that's just going to just naturally open things up with Dontario Drummond in the slot, Braylon Sanders on the outside. And then somebody's got to step up for Jonathan Mingo. He's, you know, kind of a question mark. They don't really know what they're going to do. I don't think there's been any confirm report on the injury there's been rumors of a jones fracture there's been rumors that he's going to try to play through the pain and uh put surgery off i don't know um there is a way around that if he really wants to tough it up uh toughen it up and and you know you can wear a special cleat um you can try to fight through that um there was one former Ole Miss receiver that did it in high school. But uh, as they say in the business, uh, he is built different. That is DK Metcalf. I don't think he has actual bones in his body. Um, So so, give him like a, like a, like an orthopedic cleat. (laughs) Yeah. So I think what you can do is you can put essentially like they'll get like a piece of metal or steel or something that kind of forms to the foot and they put it on the inside of the cleat to help with the pressure and just help with, you know, getting stepped on or kicked or, you know, coming in and out of your breaks. Uh, I don't know if he's even going to try to play. I have no idea, but if Mingo doesn't play, even if he does, he'll be limited just because of the pain. They got to find somebody else I don't know if it's going to be Ja'Cour Pearson. Um, if I mean, I thought Jaden Jackson and Dennis Jackson played fine against Bama. Dennis had a really good catch near the goal line. He was close to getting in. And then, um, Jane jackson did some nice things with some slip screens and whatnot but they're i think they're gonna try to get back to what they do best and challenge arkansas up front because correct me if i'm wrong here i feel like arkansas really truly only has one legitimate guy up front on the defensive line that would give them issues uh he's number 56 i believe his last name is williams yeah, I think it's it's is it Trey Williams? I can't remember. He
1: he. Uh, yeah, he's oh it's, he's the, oh it's Zach oh it's Zach Williams. Duh, should know that. Oh yeah, yeah. I don't know uh, why I said Trey. Uh, yeah, they got one guy that's really disruptive, and and then they have a whole bunch of people who are not Will Anderson, which is very good news for the old <laughs> Yeah,
0: they won't play Will Anderson anymore.
1: Yeah, that's, that's good.
0: good.
1: That's good. They're they're interior offensive linemen who will like they. Even here we are on what is this Tuesday night. Even as they close their eyes, they can still see him running by them.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um. So yeah. Looking at their stats, so I guess there's two Williams. There's 55 and 56. There's Trey and Zach. Trey has four and a half tackles for loss and four sacks. Yeah. Zach has three tackles for loss and one and a half sacks. So I think it was Trey. It's the one that yeah, because I remember
1: yeah, because when I was watching uh, Georgia and Arkansas this weekend. You know they were they were talking about Trey Williams, and he he played really well against A uh, and M. Although A and M's got a offensive line is is pretty not great, uh, mm-hmm. and and he <laughs> Trey Williams found out what happens when you play against not Texas A and M's offensive line.
0: <laughs> yes, yes, it was uh yeah quite the awakening. Um, but yeah, I mean, and this you know also a little bit of you know. A mental game here on top of the actual football game, you know, who who can bounce back because both teams got whipped last week. Um, I mean, Arkansas looked a little more helpless than Ole Miss did. They couldn't score against Georgia. Um, and I mean, they made Stetson Bennett look really good. Uh, and I know Georgia's defense is phenomenal. It's the best in the country, but they just weren't able to do anything. Um, so that that's gonna be a mental thing, and it's back to back. Long road trips for this Arkansas team. They had to go all the way to Athens, and now they're going all the way to, to Oxford. So it's an early kick. Maybe that plays a factor. Maybe it doesn't. That's up to Sam Pittman and his staff to get this team ready. But yeah, I mean, look, it, you're looking at the at the stats here. Traylon Berg has 22 catches on the year, 383 yards receiving, two touchdowns. 17, close to 17 and a half yards per catch. That's it. The next guy behind him has eight catches Um, running the football. It's by committee, Traylon Smith, KJ Jefferson, second in carries for the team. And then Rocket Sanders is right behind him. So it's just not a ton of star power or it's no one near the talent level. Of a Brian Robinson, so that's also good news. So no more, no more Will Anderson, no more Brian Robinson. I don't know. I just I keep going back to thinking that this game is just going to be huge for this football team in general, and then also it's kind of a revenge game for this offensive staff and for Matt Corral.
1: Yeah, I I think there is, especially Corral, because he he had talked about how at least in the offseason how much he put effort into to. You know, playing against drop eight uh defense. And you know, and they tra- and after the Arsenal game last year. I remember uh Auburn, I think we played them the very next week. They did it. And they, you know, didn't put up great numbers. We stayed in control and but helped it. We ran them out of the drop eight. Like that's the big t- if you can just be like, okay, you're gonna drop eight, all right. Well then we're you know, we're gonna try to outblock you up front and, and establish make and establish the run and make you come out of it. Uh and it It'd be interesting to see if 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 Ole Miss can do because it. it it would be especially after uh last week's performance that sort of get some confidence back on the offensive line because I can I can imagine that was pretty eye opening of um just <laughs> how 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 badly you got beat up front, like and and what that can do to your I guess your psyche. But uh yeah, I agree. If if you know, I, I think I think I, I'm not I feel pretty good about it, Uh, but, you know, I mean, this is, it's pretty, it's still a really big game because if, if they, you know, things go wrong, they turn it over a few times, Arkansas gets some breaks and they lose, then like now, yeah, now we're sort of at a crisis point. And, uh, and that's why I think, yeah, huge game, huge game.
0: Yeah, I, I, I'm i glad you brought that up because I didn't think to mention that. I think that's probably, you know, I was talking about getting back to the run game and establishing that first before looking to attack through the air. But I think that that's what they're going to do is, like you said, almost did it against Auburn a year ago. They ran them out of it. And I think Ole Miss eventually ran Arkansas out of it a year ago because Jerry Neely had a really good game. And Arkansas eventually switched things up and, and Ole Miss was able to get back into that game before ultimately throwing the pick-six late to seal it. But, yeah, I mean, I think that they're going to really try to force that issue in getting Ely the football in space, getting Parrish a lot of touches. I, I think they really need to implement Snoop Connor early and often because they need to control the game and to extend drives, get first downs, and um, really kind of take it to Arkansas. Because, I mean, I, I, I don't think – that they will do this. But if Ole Miss comes out and really hits Arkansas in the mouth, I really scores a couple and uh, Arkansas is going to have to come out of a a hole whether that's 10, nothing, 14, nothing. At some point, either consciously or subconsciously, Arkansas is going to get tired of getting their ass beat and, Maybe they maybe they lie down a little bit. Maybe they are just kind of like, oh well, here we go again. We, we can't keep pace and we're screwed. Um, I don't know if that'll happen, but with the run game that Ole Miss has been so good at under this staff and this offense, there's a good shot that they can really start this game off on a, on, a, on a positive note offensively by establishing the run to open up things with the passing game.
1: Yeah, and that, that it's be. I mean, it, it's a really This again is not. It's not groundbreaking what I'm about to say, but it you know it's a huge. It'd be a huge advantage for Ole Miss if they're able to jump on them early. But like I said, Arkansas is they they're a running team. They want to run, and and if you jump on them like that, and also and it's it's a significant enough margin. Uh, you know, now you're changing up what they have to do. Like their game plan, so we were going to do this. Well, now their game plan is out, sort of out the window. Now they're having to do stuff on the fly. which is always difficult, and and then you know, as we mentioned earlier, you know, you turn uh, Jefferson into a one-dimensional quarterback. He's throwing, and you know he has to throw. Like that's that's a really big advantage for Ole Miss because that's not what he's comfortable with. It's not what he's particularly good at, and uh, and and you know. It, if they have, if they get in that mode, and he's prone to mistakes, uh, then it can like it can quickly snowball from there. Uh, but you know that's that's Ole Miss has got to come out, and know it's 11 a.m. game, but Ole Miss has to come out you know, ready to go. We can't sleepwalk through the first quarter or first half or whatever, because uh, I I just you know a team that I, I legit think Ole Miss is better than Arkansas, and anytime you just let a team that's not as good, you hang around. Uh, you know, you're just you're just asking for for something weird to happen. Which has that ever happened in an old Miss Arkansas game? I can't remember.
0: Uh, you know, who can say? At this <laughs> point? Yeah, who can say? <laughs> um, last couple things here. Um, I I think I'm I, I think I'm happy with where I'm at with the prediction. I feel like the over is probably gonna hit. Um I think Ole Miss wins by double digits, but it's close late. Um, But, yeah, I mean, that's – I think you nailed it there. You've got to force Arkansas to get uncomfortable because they like running the football. They like being physical. Um, You know, Sam Pittman's an offensive line coach at heart. He's going to want to really establish the run and keep Corral off the field. But, again, we go back to the statistic that we mentioned talking about the Alabama game. The defense was in position – all game long they just couldn't make the plays so facing a team like Arkansas that's nowhere near as talented as Alabama they're not going to have the talent in the horses up front and at running back to really give you some fits so I think that if Ole Miss can come out and get some stops early um, and and really give Matt Corral and, and that offense some short fields and you know some really quick defensive possessions. I, I I mean, I think that this is setting up for Ole Miss to have a nice bounce back game heading into uh, the game in two weeks in Knoxville.
1: Yeah, I, I, I agree. Uh, and, and, and I kind of touched on it earlier talking about uh, defensive scheme, you know, three, two, six, Arkansas pretty much also plays the, the same thing. In fact, uh, there's, Kiffen had a quote somewhere about how when they changed to in the offseason, when Ole Miss changed to the 326, they basically sort of looked at what Arkansas did and what Iowa State has done. I, although Iowa State runs a little more like 335. But anyway, they decided to do it. And so, you know, and a lot of people last week in the Alabama game, as you know, you're slowly watching them just grind this down, uh, you know, it's like, why are, you know, why aren't we putting in more, more beefy bodies in there or whatever, or changing to like a four or five-man front? It's like, well. You know, in a run defense, it doesn't matter what your personnel is. It, it, each person is responsible for a gap, like. But in this three-two-six, the I believe it'll be uh, what's his Quentin. Uh, I'm going to screw up his last name. Is it Blevins or Bill? Ugh. Oh, Bivens, Yeah, Bivens, There we go. Good grief. Uh, he's he's the nose tackle, so he'll line up over center. He's going to be responsible for the uh, gap on either side of the center. A gaps. Everybody else has an assigned gap, or maybe they just a shared gap. I don't know how exactly how they how exactly they teach it. But everybody's responsible for a gap. It's not, you're just not there to eat up space. You are in control of a gap. You have to make sure nothing comes through that gap. Doesn't matter what formation you play. So like the gaps are all accounted for in the three two six. And But instead of what I said, like a linebacker, defensive lineman, they've got a safety or another linebacker they trust more than a, than a big body to to fill the gap like that's that's what they're doing they're not just it's not it's not just oh th- this idea of well they get bigger bodies out there that'll that'll stop it it's like well no not really because they're basically saying we trust a smaller player to control this gap more than uh, an interior lineman or a defensive end or something like that like that's that's what they're doing so it's not yeah it's, it's not <laughs> it's a long way of saying, like, they know what they're doing. The coaches know what they're doing. It's just a matter of executing. And hopefully this week it gets a lot, lot better.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that that's kind of where the defense is right now. I know a lot of people were kind of griping about the three-two-six and how, you know, why aren't they changing? We know Alabama's running it. At this point, I think it's a personnel issue. They, they're going to put the three best down linemen out there um that they have and they're going to put two linebackers and then the overwhelming number of defensive backs because they trust and like the secondary players that they have so I think that that's where the defense is right now I couldn't imagine them at this point certainly not this early maybe they'll shift into some other things later in the year if they have some kind of matchup or they see something on film but yeah I mean that's where they are this is the personnel that they have, they they feel like this is what best suits them there. So, um, and and again, they're they're going to switch some things up with some different blitz packages. They're going to spy KJ Jefferson. Um, you know, going back to Alabama, we, we talked about this on on Saturday and on Sunday. They didn't really get after Bryce Young a lot because the analytics pointed to him struggling against coverage. Um, he was actually so far this year has been really good against pressure. So they were basically going to try to keep everything in front and make tackles and they just couldn't do it. So um, we'll see what they do with KJ Jefferson. I don't know if they're going to bring a ton of pressure at him. I haven't really looked at the, at the analytics there for how he is against pressure. Um, But yeah, I mean, I think this is setting up to be a a good bounce back game for Ole Miss. It's at home. I think it's going to be a good crowd. And then, yeah, a lot of eyeballs right after game day um, are going to be on it. 11 a.m. kick, so uh, so yeah, I think that this is a great opportunity for them to uh, on a national stage kind of show like, hey, we lost to Alabama. A lot of people are going to lose to Alabama this year. We're good.
1: Yeah, yeah, that, that's the that's the yeah. That, my main takeaway from yeah last week is yeah, They're way better than everybody else is. Uh, we uh, historically stink in Tuscaloosa. We've only won there twice. Mm-hmm. Uh, like and, and most most of the times, at least in my lifetime, it feels like I was, I was thinking about the other day. How many times have we actually lost close there, close lead there? Uh, and it's not many. Like blowout. That's what happens when you go to Tuscaloosa. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. so you know, I mean, yes. It's obviously it's very disappointing because, like I so said, I'm like you. Yeah, I thought I thought they had a legit chance to win. Um, obviously, that didn't happen. But uh, but you know, if you told me before the year. And they're still staring down nine and three season 10 and two. If they catch some breaks, like I would like, yes, where can I sign up for that? That's what I want.
0: <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, so that's going to do it here for the first side of the show. We're going to hear from the sponsors and take our break, but hang tight. We'll be back on the other side with our good buddy, Bunky Perkins. We'll talk a little Alabama and then we'll talk more Arkansas with him. He is in a, uh, House divided and is uh, quite close to the Arkansas program, so he's got some uh, some good takes there on the game. He kind of gives what he expects. So hang tight. When we come back from the break, we will have more Arkansas preview. It's Zach again, Podcast Rebellion, to remind you of our lovely sponsors here at the show. If you like New Orleans-inspired cuisine, go see Kelly English and the good folks in Memphis at Second Line or Restaurant Iris for some fantastic food and cocktails. You can also travel down to the coast to Magnolia House in Biloxi at Harris Gulf Coast. Blackjack, craps, slots, southern cooking, cocktails, what's not to like? All three fantastic establishments, part of the Kelly English Restaurant Group. Good food, good people, good cocktails. It can't be beat. That's Second Line, Restaurant Iris in Memphis, and Magnolia House in Biloxi. Speaking of good food, if you're in Oxford, go see Greg and the good folks at LB's Meat Market, the inaugural sponsor of this year's podcast, on University Avenue, across from Kroger. Celebrate with the best protein for your almost-grilling needs with Greg and the rest of the folks there. And be sure to tell them that Red Cup sent you for exclusive deals and promotions. Remember, the Philly combo is back for just $10 right now. And you've got your lunch specials, 11 to 3.30, Monday through Friday. That's LB's Meat Market on University, across from Kroger. Arby's is full of shit. LB's has the meats. Speaking of Oxford, if you're looking to get some libations going... Be sure to check out Wonderbird Spirits, North Mississippi's first distillery. It's a quick little eight-minute drive south of Oxford on Old Taylor Road, and it's the only spot in the Magnolia State for a true grain-to-glass gin experience. The space is fantastic. Chan and the rest of the guys there are doing some fantastic stuff. Uh, Go there, get a tour, do a tasting, or you could do both. Inquire about maybe renting it out for a private event, maybe an anniversary a wedding reception, a rehearsal dinner, something. The place is amazing. That's Wonderbird Spirits, North Mississippi's first distillery in Taylor, Mississippi. And be sure to follow them on Instagram for all their latest updates and uh, comings and goings there at Wonderbird. Speaking of libations, if you're in Memphis and you're looking to stock the cooler this year, Old Dominic on South Front Street is your place to go. Just like Wonderbird, you can go there for a tasting, for a tour, or both. And be sure to check out their rooftop bar, which is super awesome, has some great views of downtown Memphis, of the Mississippi River. Uh, you can try their Healing Station High Ride Bourbon, the Memphis Toddy, the Memphis Vodka, or the new Honey Bell Vodka. You can get it all there or at your local package store. So celebrate with that Healing Station Bourbon, a very small batch High ride Bourbon by the folks at Old Dominic. It's a bold classic whiskey with notes of stone fruit, dark cherry, and just the right amount of spice and heritage that dates back to 1866. You can enjoy it neat or even in your favorite cocktail like an old-fashioned. It's got a mash bill of 52% corn, 44% rye, and 4% malt. Healing Station stands alone in its category of high-rye bourbons. So you could do that, or you can enjoy a quick taste of Memphis Toddy before the game this weekend, and then you can wind down with that Healing Station afterwards. So, like we always say, ask your, pa- ask, ask your package store where you can find Healing Station by Old Dominic. And, as always, OD encourages you to share sip responsibly. And last but certainly not least, if you're in the market for a new vehicle, make it a Clark Ford vehicle. Corey Clark and the rest of the folks in Amory, Mississippi on Highway 25 are committed to finding you a new vehicle today. Be sure to browse their inventory online, request more information about the vehicles, set up a test drive, Inquire about financing all online. If you want to do it a little old school, maybe uh, conversate via telephone, you can give them a call at 662-257-1900 and get in a new Ford today. joined by our good buddy bunky Perkins, Internet fame, and Allure. Uh Bunky, I have to before we get into football, I got a lot has happened since you've been on the podcast. We've got um you know the US of A won the Ryder Cup. Um I believe you were in attendance there. Um we've got uh Urban Myers out uh doing God knows what in Ohio. Um you know a lot of stuff happened, but we, we we won't go on. But uh but welcome into the show. Um real quick, I have to ask, how was uh how was the Ryder Cup? It was
2: good. It was good. It was um the thing about whistling straits uh, is that no one's in the middle of nowhere. It's like an hour north of of uh, Milwaukee. Uh super nice and super accessible, but a very hard watch. Like it's it's right there on Lake Michigan and it's very hilly, and you can't really – you know, some golf tournaments you'll go to, and, like, you can see, like, an approach and a putt and a drive. Like, you can see a couple of shots, right? There was no mm-hmm. place on that golf course to sit and stand and watch more than one or two shots. And then it was super hard to follow a group because the walking out there was miserable. It was just so hard. I mean, there was mm-hmm. – like, if you're walking through the fairways, like, players – it's a lot easier, but like when you're on the sides going up and down hills all day, it's pretty brutal. So I went uh, practice round Thursday, and then I went to the Friday, uh, and lucked out with some tickets where I had a uh, a box on 16. So kind of really got to watch them play. Yeah, so it was very nice. So I got to watch them all play 16, and got to see like Justin Thomas made that putt uh, for eagle uh, to take his match. I think they they tied it up with that eagle, but uh yeah it was super fun um i definitely want to go to another one where it's a different venue that like you can see more um mm-hmm. whether that's in europe or or here in the states like well whistling traits is just like you know i uh playing it i can't imagine it's a lot of fun unless you are like a low single digit handicap um, yeah like i i i am a mid single-digit handicap and that thing would eat my lunch like it would it it was rough like there's there's nowhere to hide out there so um i, I but yeah i would like to go again it was a super cool event uh, obviously uh the u.s just uh steamrolling was pretty cool to watch uh but uh yeah I, I, I highly recommend it you know i know it's it's not a super hard ticket like you can get there and get tickets usually Mm-hmm. Um, but if you if if you've got an opportunity, if there's one like within a decent drive or even a cheap flight, like try to make some time and go for at least a day because that's a cool experience.
0: Yeah, I think, and it's the biggest asterisk ever, because as you know, tiny humans ruin everything when it comes to uh doing adult things. Um correct. But I think we have it circled for either a dare manor or Italy is the one that like that's like that's the uh you don't look at a receipt ever trip where it's just like let's just go and do it um yeah so like so rome will be
2: awesome just because it's rome will be awesome just because it's Rome, right yeah uh, yeah it's a, it's a very cool you know place to hold the right and then a dare manager is just awesome it's not your typical
0: irish golf course certainly uh but that would be a very cool one too uh I like, you know i like and, to say i like to say a dare manor is like the biltmore but like on like hgh with a golf course yeah it's very
2: nice yeah i mean like going whistling straits was not tough like we made a, it was a late decision like I, I got tickets late and a buddy of mine and i flew you know it, it was like an hour and a half flight got a rent car in milwaukee stayed in milwaukee it was super easy like mm-hmm. Uh so I I would just if it's ever in the States in a place where you can access it fairly cheaply, uh I would highly recommend going just because it's a cool experience. And and uh at the very least, uh as a dad, I get to wear my Ryder Cup swag for a whole year and make all the other dads envious. That's that's a big exactly big feather in my cap.
0: Yeah, and yeah, I was going to say as we close here and move on to football, that if you can't go, the next best thing is you have a buddy that's there and they buy you some merch because – Yes,
2: I, I bought several buddies' merch. Uh, so if you see some suspect guys walking around Jackson, Mississippi in the next couple of weeks <laughs> uh, with Ryder Cup merch, there's a good chance that I was the one that picked it up for them. So call call them on their BS. Yeah.
0: Um, all right, we're not, we're not going to spend – a lot of time on last week Um, for those of you that either blacked out or uh, just were too nervous to watch Ole Miss um, laid an egg in the first half ended up losing 42-21 to the Alabama Crimson Tide Uh, just not a good day Um, honestly probably the only one that had a good day was probably Matt Corral that was it everybody else um, probably tried to uh, forget it as quickly as possible Corral probably did too but He had a decent game. Um, If you're keeping up with the Heisman race, he didn't drop too far. He's just right behind Bryce Young now. So he can still hold serve and certainly get an invite. Um, He can definitely win it if he has a a, a nice finish to the season, these final eight weeks. But um, just give me a couple thoughts on the game, and then we'll move on to Arkansas. Um, If if, if we're, you know, as, as two dads here talking sports, I was more disappointed than angry.
2: I mean, I didn't expect much, honestly. And if you, you know the feeling when uh, Alabama in 2014, when Alabama came to Ole Miss, like there was a palpable feeling that, hey, we have a real chance here to beat them. And then the next year going to Tuscaloosa, like you knew talent-wise, while we didn't match up, like across the board, obviously, because Alabama. You, you, I don't know how you can unless you're Clemson. Even then, it's, it's tough. But in strategic positions, we were at either as good or better mm-hmm. in, in twenty in twenty fifteen. You, if, if being objective, you couldn't look at the two rosters this year between Alabama and Ole Miss and say, "Oh yeah, we have a, a puncher's chance." Number one, because you know Ole Miss is only one in Tuscaloosa twice. Number two. Very few teams win twice in Tuscaloosa in the same decade. I think LSU and maybe – oh, it's not Auburn. I think yeah, it's LSU and one other team. I can't remember who. But it, it happens very rarely. Number mm-hmm. two, like offensively, we had a puncher's chance because offensively we did match up. We have, we have one of the best quarterbacks in the country. We've got great receivers, great running backs, a serviceable offensive line. And so, you know, you thought we had a chance – but defensively, even though we're improved, like especially playing with a three-man front, which is what we're going to play with this year, and for the most part, because we're playing a bunch of spread teams. Alabama, who has kind of spread, obviously, in the last several years, they just looked at that and said, we're just going to run it between the tackles and just bludgeon them, and that's exactly Ooh. what happened. It's because we don't have a talent up front, and and that's just the... the I mean, what, that's just what happened. There were no big plays on Alabama's side. They just methodically beat us up up front. And, you know, the only chance we had was to get it into a shootout, maybe get a stop. Kind of like last year, if we'd gotten a stop or two, there's a very good chance we might have beaten Alabama. This year, we didn't get those stops when we needed it, and we didn't have the offensive execution when we needed it. Obviously, we went on fourth down a uh, and those were the right plays. Like, mathematically, you had to do that. Those are That's your only chance to win. If you kick field goals there or punt there, what, you're just staving off the inevitable. Like, you yeah. lose by 20 instead of 24. Like, it doesn't – what's that matter at that point? So, it just didn't work out. I mean, you know, I, I think we've still got a lot of football ahead of us. Uh, clearly, the SEC outside of Alabama and Georgia is very gettable. Uh, mm-hmm. I think they're, every team on on almost is schedule, the rest of the way, is beatable. Uh, and so, yeah, if we finish strong, who's to say what happens in the Heisman race and who's to say what happens uh, with the rest of the SEC West? So um, I wasn't super down because, like, I think there's a lot, of, a lot of opportunities still left for the team to have. I mean, when you looked at this – I mean you looked at the schedules again the, the year. I think eight wins was probably a good year. Uh mm-hmm. I still think that's very possible. I think over eight wins is possible. Uh I would say anything under eight wins is a little disappointing. And I think I think we can get there.
0: Yeah, if you look at the um ESPN's football power index, um, which is not always super reliable, but they factor in a lot of numbers a lot of analytics and at this point they have a large enough sample size to be somewhat accurate but um they have almost predicted to win every game from here on out outside of Auburn which fair um I'm still not sure what Auburn is they beat LSU last week Bo Nix kind of had a I don't even know what you call it just a you know, just a Phoenix rising from the ashes type game where he lost his job a week before against Georgia State. Then he plays out of his mind. LSU's in trouble. Um, but I'm cool with with that. There are 55 percent chance of a loss there per ESPN's FPI, And Ole Miss never plays well in the Plains. So that's fair. Um, but predicted to win everything else. Um, and last thing on Alabama, if you're going to take any positive, you're going to take any solace from that game. SEC StatCat on Twitter, great account. You should follow it. A lot of good stuff. Um, Look, the game was lost in the trenches on the offensive side. Like you mentioned, you had to get it to a shootout. You had to score. Ole Miss's offensive line just got whipped. The defensive side of the football, actually, when you look at the statistics, and this isn't a, oh, well, if they made a couple here and there. No, they were still getting beat. But Ole Miss's defense was there in position to make plays. They just didn't make them. Um, SEC StatCap put out a uh, number, um, uh, I guess it was on Sunday possibly. Uh, Alabama had a 1.5 YBC average, which is yards before contact, um, but they broke 17 tackles. So that statistic is essentially saying Ole Miss was in position right there at the line of scrimmage, just couldn't make the play. So. The three-two-six—it's a gamble, especially against a team like that that has a running back like Brian Robinson. But they were in position to make the plays, just didn't make them. So um, that afforded Alabama a fifty-seven point eight percent success rate when running the football. Um, so if you're going to take any kind of positive outside of Corral still having a good game, not turning the you know not throwing an interception, you had the one fumble, but uh, the defense was there. Um, looking ahead to to Arkansas. Um, we obviously know what happened last year. Matt Corral, terrible game through six interceptions. They kind of had that, you know, moment in the season where Corral kind of freaked out, was trying to do too much. Um, almost still outgained Arkansas, 442 to 394. The difference, turnovers. Almost turned it over seven times. Um, Arkansas had two pick sixes, and uh, they just could never, you know, cut it to 26-21. 20, uh, late in the fourth, and then um, had the pick six to seal it. So with the turnovers, Ole Miss was still in position to win the football game. So looking ahead to this year, both teams coming off just absolute thrashings against two of the best teams, probably the two best teams in the country. Um, and I don't think it's particularly close. But what's your feel for this game? Um, Ole Miss coming back home, both teams licking their wounds. What's your early feel as we record this on Tuesday?
2: I just don't think Arkansas is going to be able to keep up offensively. Like, I think exactly, you know, everybody wants to point. Anytime you sing any praises of Matt Corral in the earshot of Arkansas uh, fans, (laughs) the minute they're going to say something about the six interceptions, which, okay, fair. But you know what? We all won that game, and he still threw six picks. Like, you shouldn't be anywhere near – having a chance to win if you turn the ball over six times. So that (laughs) speaks not only to our resiliency, but also maybe Arkansas was a little suspect. So um, we're not playing in Fayetteville, which is a big plus. That's always Mm -hmm. a tough trip for everybody. It's just – it's a hard trip. And so being at home helps. Uh, Offensively, um, I think we're going to be much better. Uh, I think Corral, obviously, this game last year – uh, is still very fresh in his mind. There, Arkansas is going to do a lot of the same things. I would assume a lot of what we do right now, which is basically pretty small up front, and then just keep everybody back and keep it all in front of you, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah. so Matt has to make the throws uh, that are necessary, and I think Kiffin's going to put him in that position to uh, make a lot of those throws. And I certainly, if if both defenses are playing that same style. Uh, I sir and obviously the offensive coordinators <laughs> all, like not only being uh, their their schemes are related they're also related uh, they're you know um, uh, like family wise uh, they're married into each other and yeah. uh, I think that um, I would trust Matt Crowell a whole more against that scheme than I would KJ Jefferson And KJ Jefferson's played really well now he's run basically a a lot of his mistakes have been avoided when throwing the football because he can run and he has and he's pretty much arkansas's number one rusher i think statistically he's probably second but like he's option a most times he's you know uh and so i don't think arkansas's got one good very good wide receiver. Uh they've got obviously KJ Jefferson's playing much better this year than he did in the past because he's older, he's got more experience. But mm-hmm. I, I just can't see I can't see Ole Miss making the same mistakes he did last year with a quarterback who has learned from those mistakes, has proven it year and I, I just feel like we're gonna outscore him more than anything. I think defense will be fine. Uh nobody on Arkansas's offense scares, should scare us. I like mm-hmm. They don't have any kind of major game breakers that run by committee. They have one good wide receiver. Um, they have a a dual threat quarterback. That that's probably the most dangerous part of their game. And then defensively, Arkansas is at the very least more experienced. Uh, they've got a lot of guys who have played a lot of snaps for them. Um, I don't know if that's good or bad sometimes, but uh, you know, they've got like uh, Hayden Henry, who of course is Hunter Henry's brother, um, and you know how how those uh, games with the Henry involved usually go. Uh, Bumper Pool, Grant Morgan, like guys who have played a lot of snaps for them. So um, they've got a lot more experience, at least up front. But like I would expect, my guess. So if you're going to play that three, uh, was it three eight basically defense? It's mm-hmm. probably not a little different than that, I think, but yeah, three, basically six, a 3-8. Yeah, you got eight guys in the, in the secondary. Like, why wouldn't we take the same approach that Alabama just took with us? We have arguably the best running game in the SEC, like, up and down. We have three running backs that anybody in the SEC would covet as a somebody they'd want on their team to carry the ball for them. And so... Let's just run it the way that we just got run on. We are – you hear on these telecasts all the time, oh, well Ole Miss, I know they put all these gaudy stats up, but they're running football team, and they set up their entire passing game by the run. Okay, let's run it. Like you saw even in the Alabama game in the second half, we started to have success running the ball, and that kind of opened everything up. Now it was way past, like, the point of no return at that point. But yeah, um, I think that's what we're going to do. We sh- That's what we should do. Uh, so I'm I'm going in pretty confident. I, obviously, I have personally a very uh, uh, a lot of interest in this game. Being married to an Arkansas alum, spending way more time than I'm comfortable with in Fayetteville, Arkansas, and so um, yeah, I will not be there this weekend, but I will be there in spirit. And I think we'll uh, I think Ole Miss will probably pull it out by at least ten points.
0: Yeah, and, and you know I think this game. I don't know. Kiffin's pretty matter-of-fact, and he tells it like it is, and maybe he'll admit it, but I think Matt Corral certainly has this game circled, and I would guess Kiffin probably does too, just because last year the offense as a whole just did not look good. I think that they're going to be very motivated to put that one in the rear view, and I just think this is kind of a get-right game for the offense with how poor they looked last week in Tuscaloosa, Um, statistically rushing the football, it's pretty close. Ole Miss is averaging 245 a game. Arkansas is right at 224, but passing is where the difference is here. I mean, Ole Miss is well over 300 yards. Arkansas is under 200. KJ Jefferson is extremely limited throwing the football. Um, I am very curious to see how Kendall Bryles handles this game. Is he going to try to play keep away like Alabama did? try to control the line of scrimmage with, with the run game and to keep that Ole Miss defense on the field, or are they going to kind of just run their stuff? Um, I'm with you though. I think Ole Miss being at home, coming back, the whole season's in front of them. I mean, I think the team expected to win last week. I I don't think that they went in just praying that they were going to have a shot. I think they were very confident. And I think that this game is, is a perfect recipe to get back up on the horse and get ready for the rest of the year but yeah I'm with you I'm kind of feeling like a 38 you know I don't know 38-24 type game here where Arkansas is going to score because the Ole Miss defense has some weak spots but I just I'm with you I think Matt Corral and the offense is just going to be too much here so yeah I mean 10 points 14 points that kind of thing um, I think is is pretty solid. So last thing here, Bunky, a lot of talk about the total. Um, I expect this game to go over. A lot of people, I guess the early money is on the under, and I don't know why. Do you have any clue why that might be? What's the number? Right now I'm looking at 66 and a half.
2: I mean, that's a lot. I I, I, I think – Maybe the assumption is that Arkansas can't score that much.
0: Um, yeah. And, I think we'll Miss. I guess, and I guess the prediction I just laid out there would hit the under because I said 38-20. Um, yeah, I mean, if you – I mean, maybe Arkansas gets a late score to make it look closer than it is. But, yeah, that's, that's interesting. I think the statistic was um, – Chase Parham and Neil McCrady of Rebel Grove were talking about it yesterday. I think he said like close to 99% of the money is on the under, which is fascinating because Ole Miss, you know, as as we know, (laughs) yeah, as we know, they have, uh, you know, a tendency to really put up a lot of points. I mean, last week was the, you know, 21 was the least amount since, you know, the Outback Bowl. Since then it's been 43, 54, and then 61. So, um, Should be a fun one. 11 a.m. ESPN right after game day. Uh, Yeah, I'm with you. I won't be there. I'll be there in spirit watching this one. But um, so last thing here, Bunky, do you have any reason to believe that uh, that Alabama and Georgia are not going to play each other for the national championship?
2: I mean, nothing has shown me that, especially last week, that that's going to be anything other than the truth. The only other team I can even think of would be Oklahoma. And, like, Oklahoma looked great at all. Like, But maybe they're just going to sleepwalk through the whole Big 12. This this week will tell us all we need to know about Oklahoma because I think Texas will give them all they want. Uh, If they come out of that with a win – Like, I don't see anybody else in the Big 12 beating them. They made it past that tricky Kansas State game that always kind of trips them up where they have to go to Manhattan and then play. And so they won that game. Uh, If they win Texas, I think they'll probably run the table. And so they're the only other team that, like, will be undefeated, I think, by the time that we get to the playoffs. But they don't have the horses that uh, Georgia – and especially Alabama does. Like – Alabama's got it on both sides of the football, right? Uh, Georgia has it on one side for sure and kind of on the other. Um, I mean, there's – until they get their their starting quarterback back, it's just like, "Mm, I don't know, maybe. Uh, So, we'll see. But, yeah, I I can't – I I haven't watched every game, but I've watched enough to tell
0: that Alabama and Georgia are the two best teams. Yeah, as of now, I don't have much faith in Stetson Bennett beating Alabama. So – um well, All right. Well, Bunky, we appreciate you as always. Thanks for joining. Thanks to you, the listener, for tuning in. We'll have our gambling episode later this week for, um, I guess we already in week six. Is it week six or week five? It's got to be week six, right? Uh, yeah. Week six. So what are we doing? Yeah. Yeah. We're already... Halfway through. So um, thanks to Bunky. Thanks to the sponsors. Thanks to you the listener for tuning in. That's gonna do it for Podcast Rebellion. Make sure to stay locked in at WreckUpRebellion.com. We'll have lots of coverage up into uh, up until the game, I should say, on Saturday at eleven AM ESPN. So for Bunky over there, for Gray Hardison, I'm Zach Barry. This has been Podcast Rebellion. Thank you all for listening. We out.